schedule released. We know when the basketball will be played. We know the home opener. And we know the in-season tournament. Plus, FIBA World Cup begins on the 25th. And I caught up with Finnish national team assistant and jazz assistant Sean Sheldon on the podcast to get the lowdown on Lowry Markkinen and his time in Helsinki, Finland. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, Equal Housing Lender. Home opener is the season opener. October 25th against the Kings, one squad that is ascendant. This is a good opener to begin the season, very much like last year when you play the Denver Nuggets. An ascendant organization? Sabonis is going to be back and healthy after playing the second half of the season with his injured thumb. Fox trying to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. The entire franchise doing that. So, getting the Kings in the house at the Delta Center. Can't wait for October 25th. And then to follow up, it's a two-game homestand. Because next up is the Clippers. Always a rival of the Jazz. And the weekend rounds out with the Phoenix Suns game. So you see Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker early in the season. And then the other standout is how invested the NBA is to the in-season tournament. I have high hopes for it. I also like the soccer tournaments that are in-season. So I'm predisposed. But the investment in this is that the Jazz are on two nationally televised games, one on ESPN, one on TNT, and they involve the in-season tournament. It's a priority. So in these early season games, which aren't just for the Cup, They count in the standings. They'll be before a national audience. Now, they're in the group of death, in my opinion. You look at the other groups, they aren't as stacked as this. Because you have the Lakers, you have Phoenix, you have Portland. Who knows what's happening with Dame, but they still have Scoot. And then you have Memphis, who knows how to play without John Morant. So it's a really good group to be in. And I'll call it the group of death. The way you advance in this tournament is you have to win the group, And if you don't win it, you have to be the best record in the conference to get a wild card spot. So it's going to be tough. But I think it adds another layer of intrigue to the regular season. Caring about basketball in November. These might be Bradley Beal's biggest games of his career. In fact, they are. So cherish them. And cherish this is a new thing that the NBA is doing. No schedule release podcast would be complete without doing a win-loss of the entire season. So, here we go. Yeah, so I've got them going 80 and 0. Don't know who they're going to be playing in the in-season tournament, so can't necessarily get them at 83-0. But if you want to check the full schedule out right now, it's on utahjazz.com.
Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Sean Sheldon. He is a San Antonio guy. It's where he came through. He was a video coordinator, head of the video room down there. He's an assistant coach with the Jazz. Got his start in basketball coaching as a grad assistant for Tom Izzo. You'll hear a Michigan State story. And he's the guy after practice who's working with Lowry. He was working with the Bigs shooting threes. Kelly Olynyk, Rudy Gay last year. He's a tall dude, 6'9". So it makes sense that he was working with the Bigs. But hear his story and hear how he's going about it, living in Helsinki, Finland, with the Finnish national team, coaching on a team that had a breakout Eurobasket last year. How are they doing in the follow-up? They're in their own group of death when it comes to the World Cup. Enjoy it. You get to know one of the bright young coaches on the Utah Jazz. Here he is. It's Sean Sheldon on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com. Honestly, the love for the game and, you know, where it kind of started is I played in a lot of three-on-three tournaments when I was a kid. Uh, they were super big in Michigan, so all summer uh, we would play, like, three-on-three outdoor basketball tournaments called Gus Mackers. Um, so I would play with my brother sometimes on his team for the three-on-three. Sometimes I would have my own team, but that's how we spent our summer. We were driving around Michigan, uh, my parents, my brother, and I, and playing in different tournaments. Um, so I think that's really where it kind of started. And then, uh, I used to play at the community college, uh, back home in Traverse city all the time. My dad, my brother, a couple of buddies, and we would, I mean, we started going there when I was in fourth grade, we started going there and playing. And when it first started, um, you know, I was the guy that would be shooting on like the side basket and that if they ever needed someone to make a tent, like they would let me play cause I was so young. Um, but it was great. I mean, I grew up with those guys. Those guys ended up coming to like high school games. And, um, so it was great. I, you know, I spent my entire childhood there. Um, and then when I started to get recruited, you know, I really wanted something different. Um, I could have gone to a couple schools in state or close to home. Um, but I wanted something different and I knew I wanted something, uh, you know, that was pretty academic focused. So that's a huge reason why I chose William Mary. I drove, you know, I was out there with my cousin. We drove to campus. Um, and I remember texting my parents, like, you know, I just felt at home there. Uh, so it was a pretty easy decision for me. You know, the coaches that I played for there, I've known since I was 15 years old. Like, you know, uh, Coach Shaver was my head coach and uh, Coach Holmes and Kimball and then Austin Shaver as well. But, you know, I keep in touch with those guys all the time and, you know, just saw them in Vegas, actually. They came out and watched a couple of games out in Vegas. And then continuing your professional career after college into 
Switzerland. What was yeah. that year like? Having a big boy job, playing yeah. overseas, and doing the thing, playing professional basketball. Yeah, I don't know if I would call it a big boy job because I was still yeah. playing basketball. <laughs> it's uh, a big big boy job. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, it was great though. I mean, I think all of us, you know, dream of playing professionally. Like, obviously, I wasn't at the level of being able to play in the NBA, but I was still fortunate enough to uh, get paid to play basketball, which you know was an awesome experience. But I think the the best part of it was the travel, um, seeing different cultures. You know, if I had an off weekend, uh, one of my college roommates, one of my really good buddies was playing in Paris at the time or just outside of Paris. So I went, him and I met in Paris for a weekend and, you know, I had a bunch of buddies that were in London for a weekend and I had an off weekend. So I went and traveled to London with them for the weekend. Um, so just experiencing that and experiencing the different cultures in Europe, um, was great. You know, my, the plane aspect of it, uh, was fun. I had a pretty significant shoulder injury though. So, um, I think that kind of hampered my playing experience a little bit, but all in all, it was an awesome, um, an awesome year spent overseas. And then you come back, and this is the start of a, a coaching road for you. Yes. Yep. How did you begin a connection to Michigan State and getting an opportunity with Tom Izzo and that staff? Uh, so I had I had found out that there was an opening as a grad assistant. Um, and one of my really good buddies played football. So I was going down to Michigan State to visit him and, um, you know, just hang out with some of the football guys. Found out while I was down there that they had an opening as a grad assistant. Um, and I printed printed my resume off in my buddy's apartment and then had him go drop me off at the Michigan State basketball offices. Um, so I just walked in. I, you know, I didn't know anyone really. Uh, so I walked in, asked the asked the girls at the front desk if I could meet someone about the grad assistant opening. Um, and I'm still in my sling. Like, I had just had shoulder surgery, so I'm still in my sling walking in. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough. David Thomas, who was the director of ops at the time, uh, sat down with me and met that first day. And then about a month later, they called and uh, offered me the job. So what goes into being a grad assistant under one of the oh. best college coaches of all time, you know, a hall of fame head coach, Tom Izzo. He's, he was a pretty big deal. He was at the hall of fame last week. Like he is, yep. he is big time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, everything. I mean, as a grad assistant, um, similar to like the video room in the NBA, you know, you're there to help. Like, yes, you're there to learn basketball, but at the end of the day, like college basketball, the NBA, like it's a service industry. Like we're all here to serve the players and help them. And, you know, the job as a GA is to help the coaches, help the coaches, help the players. So, um, you know, I spent a ton of time with the players, you know, working them out, doing player development with them, helping the assistant coaches with scouts, um, you know, helping some of the guys. Like I had a desk that overlooked the practice court and, you know, some of the guys would come and write papers or do their homework right next to me while I was watching film. So, um, you know, and there's, then there's, I mean, then there's the funny stuff you have to do as a GA, you know, uh, go and get, you know, coaches a sandwich or, uh, you know, drive the players to class or, 
you know, I had one where the end of the year, people always laugh when I tell this story, but the end of the year, uh, or end of the summer thing at Michigan state is we go and do like a beach day. So there's a workout aspect of it. And then like after that, it's the end of the summer. So then, you know, barbecue, swim, play games and stuff. But coaches told me to go up there, meet him up, uh, up at the beach early in the morning. So I get up there. Um, and he wanted me to dig some holes in the beach to put a volleyball net in. The assistant coaches would always tell me like, that's where I, uh, that's where I won over coaches. Uh, is digging in the sand. Good. Yeah, exactly. How does the San Antonio Spurs opportunity come about? Uh, it kind of happened out of the blue, honestly. Um, my year at Michigan State, we win the Big Ten, uh, go to the tournament. We had an early exit versus Syracuse, so didn't make the Final Four, but the Final Four that year was actually in San Antonio. Um, so myself, some of the assistant coaches, um, some of the other support staff went down to the Final Four, um, and there was another former Michigan State GA by the name of Mike Pyers who was currently uh, – an intern in the front office in San Antonio. So he invited us to uh, like the Spurs event down there. So went, you know, just mingling, having dinner um, at the Spurs event. I ended up talking to that night, uh, the current GM of San Antonio, Brian Wright. So just ended up talking to him and, you know, I wasn't looking for a job. I had another year at Michigan State um, and I loved it there. Like I wasn't, looking to go anywhere but they ended up giving me a call later that summer uh asking if i could come out to las vegas to interview um and then you know kind of long story short flew out there slept on my buddy's couch who was uh who was playing summer league with the celtics so i was out there less than 24 hours flew out crashed on his couch interviewed flew back to michigan state um and then, you know, a couple of days later, actually Coach Hardy was the one that called and offered me a job in the video room. And I was thinking about telling him no, <laughs> uh, just because I love Michigan State. It's where I wanted to be. Uh, I'm from Michigan. Like, it was the perfect place for me. Um, and Coach Izzo was a huge, huge reason I, I said yes, just because he was a big believer in me making the move to the NBA. And then you look at the success the Spurs have had, you know, and the people that have been in the video room in San Antonio. Um, so that after that, I thought about it, and then you know, it was a no-brainer. Called uh, called Will back and accepted the job, and then two weeks later, I was down in San Antonio. That's the thing. The video room has seen a lot of successes in NBA head coaches. Clearly, Will Eric Spolstra was in the Heat video room. It's a, a nice stepping stone alongside coaching resumes, but the San Antonio Spurs is a whole different animal because of Coach Popovich. What is a video coordinator at the San Antonio Spurs doing? San Antonio, you never know. Like, obviously, yes, you have all of your basketball work um, and you're helping scout and you're helping coaches put together edits and you're helping Coach Pop put together an edit to show the team, but... There's so much similar to like being a GA. There's so much other stuff that goes into it. Um, you know, it's, it's helping, you know, coach pop, you know, 
with different things or it's helping the players being around for them or it's you know going to pick up one of the assistant coaches from the airport or whatever it is like when I was in that spot and when I was a GA it's just you can't there's nothing that can be like beneath you um you're there to help so you just have whatever you're asked to do you just you know you are happy to do it because you're happy to be there and you're happy to be working for an organization that's won five NBA championships. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I did a ton of scouting and, um, helped on the court and, but really just, it comes down to being there to help with whatever they need. How'd that relationship with Will develop so that you're also going to be helping when he's on the USA basketball staff? Yeah. So, um, I never like video guys get paired up with coaches. Um, at least that's how San Antonio does it. So I never was actually paired with Will. Um, but I, you know, he would hit me all the time to help with projects or, you know, do various things for him. So that's kind of when, when the, uh, relationship started. And then, you know, he's, he's someone that's really good about looking out for the video guys, because obviously that's how he started. Um, you know, so if we didn't have, obviously I'm in Texas, my family's in Michigan. So, you know, if we didn't have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving, you know, we'd go over to his place and, you know, he'd let us be a part of it with his family. So I think that's where the relationship really started. Um, and then on the work side is just, he knew that whenever he sent me something or asked me for something that, it was going to be done and it was going to be done correctly. Um, so I think that's really kind of what helped me, you know, get the opportunity to help him with Team USA. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. How different is NBA basketball from international basketball? Uh, it, it's different for sure. Um, I think, I think the biggest thing, the biggest difference is um, on the defensive side. So obviously, the defensive three seconds is a huge thing in FIBA, um, where you know you're not getting called for that. Um, so that's that in itself is a massive, you know, thing that you can game plan and you have to plan for, and you know. Um, I also think, you know, just speaking on that, like, I think that's a reason Team USA um, invited Walker. Like, that's a huge, obviously, his skill as a rim protector. Um, I think we were looking at the numbers at the end of the season, like 98th percentile or whatever it is in rim field goal percentage or something. So um, that's a huge aspect of it. Um, and then, you know, you see different styles of play with offense, um, a lot more con continuity type stuff and, you know, less pick and rolls, less isolations. Um, 
which has been a lot of fun to see. And you've got this experience with the Finnish national team, being able to see Lowry up close and see a coach that you've seen in the Utah Jazz's coaching room. Coach Lassie was around early in the year in January when he came down and then helped out with Summer League. How did this opportunity, though, come about where you would join him for this FIBA World Cup? Um, I, honestly, yeah. I mean, I think it started in January. Uh, Lassie and uh, then Henrik Detman as well, who is, who's the former national team head coach, um, would be in the gym, you know, post-practice. Larry and I would be working out. Um, so, you know, we'd finish working out. Larry would go do his thing, have breakfast or, you know, get treatment or whatever. Um, so I would just go over, sit down, just chat with him um, after Lowry finished working out. So um, I think just having those conversations and spending time with them in January is kind of what started the relationship. And, um, you know, as the season got close to ending, you know, Lowry had mentioned it to me if it was something I would be interested in um, to come over with the national team as an assistant coach. And um, so, you know, I talked to him about it a little bit, and then I talked to Coach Hardy and Justin Zedek about it as well. Um, so then we kind of all just were talking about it, talking about it with the Fish uh, Federation, and, uh, and fortunately it worked out. And you've been there for a month now, yes. long time away. Oh. Yep. What are you trying to gain from this opportunity uh, with this national team? Um, you know, first and foremost, I think, you know, just helping Lowry, um, you know, help him continue to develop, help him feel comfortable. Um, but then also I'm around to help the coaches here, help scout, help the other guys. You know, I've been spending a lot of time working out other players on the team as well. And, um, and then, you know, try to bring things back to Utah. You know, uh, the Finnish national team here in Lassie utilizes Lowry um, and gives him a ton of freedom like Coach Hardy does. Um, so it's, you know, it's trying to see some of the concepts we use here that he's successful with. And, you know, how can we tweak it a little bit to where we can put Lowry in some of those same situations within our offense and our defense in Utah. Is there a difference between national team Lowry and NBA Lowry? Because that was the big discussion last year was bottling up that Eurobasket success and making sure that that happens for him on the Jazz. Do you see something different now that you're watching it up close and, and coaching him with the Finnish national team? Um, I don't know if it's... I mean, it's not different anymore. I mean... Uh, he had the breakout, obviously he had the breakout year in the Eurobasket, uh, I guess, you know, last summer now. Um, and then, you know, the season with us, most improved player and all-star. And um, so I don't think it's different. Like, I don't think it's different now from how he plays. Um, he's playing with a ton of confidence, playing well. Um, we're continuing to try to add things to his game. But, you know, he has... Within the national team, he has the ball in his hand a little bit more, um, you know. So potentially that's something that we could uh, mess around with a little bit next year at Utah. Um, but I think the best thing for me is just to see see how comfortable he is around the guys here. Um, you know, it's just different. Like national teams are different than NBA teams. Like he's known these guys forever, um, has played with them a long time, 
So seeing his relationship with the team and the coaches and the trainers um, has been really cool as well. And I almost I compare that to what Walker's dealing with with Team USA. That entire team is being put together on on that training camp. They haven't played together. It's very different from the international teams. Like if you look at how the USA has performed in World Cups, it hasn't been to the level of what it's done at Olympics. But that's because many of these international teams have that continuity and have played so many summers together. What are you seeing yeah. from the Finnish team that? separates them as oh they know what they're doing together because of all the games that they've played the first couple of practices like you know we just start playing five on five and like as coaches we really hadn't put that many concepts in or anything and you know the ball's flying around and we're getting open shots and backdoor cuts and um you know it's it, it was kind of astonishing to watch right from the beginning it's like you know we haven't done anything. It's like day two of practice. Uh, but they're just, they know how to play with one another. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a ton of fun. And, um, you know, having guys that know one another um, and really care about one another, I think their approach and their desire to win is at a high, high level, uh, which I think is going to help us in the tournament. What do you see as a benefit for national team experience? Because the Jazz... Other players are playing in the World Cup with Kelly Olenek with Canada, Jordan Clarkson with the Philippines, Simone Fontecchio with Italy, just uh, as the other three that are also getting the experience. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was actually texting with Kelly yesterday. Um, I think the biggest thing, like, yeah, you can do some things that um, maybe you can't do during the NBA season, you know, uh, Lowry's a good example for that. Not necessarily that he can't do it. He just hasn't had the opportunity to do some of the things with us in Utah that um, he does here um, with the national team. But I think the biggest thing to me is just the honor to represent your country. Um, like our first game, and I'm standing on the sideline and, you know, the national anthem starts like they play the first 10 seconds of the national anthem, the Finnish national anthem. Then they like the volume goes down and at the entire arena, 13,000 people is singing the national anthem. And it was an unbelievable experience. Um, so I think that's, that's the biggest thing that you gain is, is that, you know, honored to play and represent your country. Are there other things that have been pretty chilling as being a part of this organization and being an honorary Finn on this coaching staff? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm super thankful, uh, for how they've welcomed me in. Um, when I first came over, I was expecting, uh, the practices to be in Finnish. So I was like, oh man, you know, I don't know how I'm going to know what's going on or know how to help. Uh, but luckily, uh, the practice is in English, but you know, I'm not the only one that doesn't speak Finnish. So that's a positive because I wouldn't have wanted them to, to do it if it's just me. Um, but you know, they've welcomed me in, you know, the coaches, the entire federation, the physios, everybody, um, has really made me feel part of, you know, the Finnish national team. I don't feel like an outsider at all. Um, which I'm super thankful for. It's made the experience that much better already. 
Um, and now we're just looking forward to getting to Japan. And you have the honorary Utah on the staff, Hano Metala. Yes. Yeah. Hano, uh, spent a lot of time with him. He actually, he just left the other day. He's over in Japan, uh, scouting now. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been great, you know, talking to him, you know, we can share some Salt Lake city stories and, um, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun getting to know everybody on the staff. What is the approach uh, that you guys have and give me what the group is because many of in the previews of this tournament have called the group that Finland is the group of death because of how stacked it is with Australia, Japan, and Germany. You look at the, the rosters of those other teams, uh, a lot of NBA guys. Um, but it's a lot of guys that have played together for a long time as well, similar to us. Um, so, you know, Japan and Germany and Australia, like, those teams have guys that have played together for a long time as well. So um, I think, you know, one of the best things is, is you know, people probably aren't expecting much of us um, when we get there for our group stage. Um, and it's great. I mean, we've had four preseason games now. And, you know, our, our big thing in these preseason games is just let's get better. You know, we don't need, a, we don't need to necessarily worry about tonight's game. Like all these games and all these practices are preparing us for August 25th. That's the first game. Um, so that's what we're building up for. And when you get to the tournament and it's jumping ball, like you never know what can happen. You just, it takes one night to get hot um, or a team to have an off night. Um, so you never know. We're preparing um, and we're going in, you know, with the mindset that, you know, we're going to play some good basketball. How's Lowry looking? Uh, he's look he's looking very good. He's been he's been playing well. Um, you know, he obviously had to do his stint with the military. Um, so you know, he, you know, wasn't playing five on five and um wasn't getting to work out how he normally would like to. Um, so I think it took him a little bit to get into a rhythm, but I mean these three preseason games, like I mean He's played extremely well, um, you know, and I think he's I think he's finally got his rhythm back and and feels good about how he's playing. And I mean, he definitely looks like he's feeling good. So um, that's that's a positive thing for us uh, going into the tournament, and obviously for uh, everyone in Utah going into next season as well. What did you learn from year one that you hadn't going into the year? Because I I feel like Will has talked about this, how you don't know what you're doing until you're in the job, right? You you can think that you know what the job is, but, you know, it's completely different once you actually do it. What did you learn in year one as an assistant coach for this team? Um, You know, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, just try to stay even keel a little bit. You know, everyone always talks about the highs can be super high and the lows can be super low in the NBA. But the best thing is that I learned this year is, you know, we may have, maybe it's my scout and we lost the game. And, you know, I'm upset that we didn't execute whatever coverage that we were supposed to or whatever. Um, the best thing is, is we've got another game in a day. So uh, I think, you know, you don't want to overreact. Um, 
was kind of a big thing that I, that I learned this year. Um, and you know, it was, it was great working for Will. Um, you know, he's, he's high, high level with how he prepares and his approach. And, um, you know, and one of my favorite things about him is he allows us to try new things. Like he's not, he's not someone that is just going to be, you know, this is how we're doing it. Um, he likes new ideas. He likes to change things up. Um, so all in all, year one was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a great group of guys on the core. We had a great uh, group on the coaching staff. Um, so it was just a lot of fun and really looking forward to year two. This can sound like a dumb question, but I promise I'm not trying to be dumb. How do you yeah. make it fun? Because the thing that Will would highlight almost every single post game was fun being underrated and keeping yeah. it fun within 82 games. How do you? Yeah. How did you guys do that? Um, I think, you know, we, it carries over like what we do in the summertime too with, you know, we have our guys do different things off the court. You know, we, um, during the season, like it can get really monotonous where you're doing the same thing every single day. Um, so just trying to switch it up on the guys, you know, we had, uh, a game this year where, you know, we went for a walk in the morning instead of going through the scouting report with the guys, we, you know. Hey, let's get outside. We were in Florida and it was like 75 and sunny. We're like, all right, let's go for a 20 minute walk. So you, all the guys, you know, we're going for a walk through the resort and um, just try to switch it up. You don't want to, you don't want to just do the same thing every single day and, um, you know, just try to lighten the mood a little bit and have music and practice. And uh, so just little stuff like that, you know, kind of goes a long way. What excites you about year two? Um, I think figuring out all the all the new pieces. Um, you know, it'll be guys that haven't played together. Um, and then obviously we'll have guys that did play together last year. So, um, you know, just always try to think and figure out how we can get better and how we can get the best out of everyone that we have on the roster. Um, so I think, you know, that kind of, you know, little chess match, you know, for the next, I guess, you know, two months and then we'll, we'll be getting close to starting the season, regular season. So, um, that's what I'm looking forward to. You know, obviously we have to take care of our business in the world cup, but then getting back to Utah and, you know, getting back with the rest of the team and the staff and, you know, start trying to figure out how we're going to, going to win some games this year. You're going to have a break. Cause after the world cup, you're basically back into the start of the season. Uh, I think I'd, I definitely need to take a break. I, uh, you know, I uh, try to get up to Park City or something, take my wife to go do something. I missed our, uh, our anniversary while I was gone. So we'll try to, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll try to take her to do something and, um, uh, hang out with the kids, take, take my son to school and, um, yeah, try to take a couple of days off before we get going. You got to make up for missing that anniversary. <laughs> that is tough. Huh. No. She understands. She she was able to come over and uh spend some time over here for a week and she got to see one of the national team camps here versus Estonia and so yeah, no, but I'm looking forward to take some time off and you know, kind of reset um and get ready to go for hopefully a uh a long season. It all starts for the Finnish national team the twenty fifth against Australia. And this man, assistant coach for the Finnish national team, Sean Sheldon. We'll be right there. Sean, thank you so much for stopping by Round Ball Roundup. 
good. Thank you very much for having me.